Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing edition of Market Impact Insights. You know, I've been thinking, based here in Seattle and the Pacific Northwest, where we have had our share of challenges over the past month with wildfires uh, of unprecedented levels, on top of, of course, the pandemic here in 2020, about just the natural forces in nature that are all about transitioning and evolving. So with the wildfires, with the heavy smoke, unhealthy conditions, and yet nature has a way of taking care of itself this week with heavy downpours of rain. Probably one of the only times you'll hear people in Seattle that are uh, very happy and dancing in the streets over the heavy rainfall that we've had. But just like that, just like summer transitions into fall with the falling of the leaves, there is a force of nature that's all about uh, continuous transition. And it got me thinking also about a concept uh, that is uh, applied to business, this idea of pivoting. Of course, it's a basketball uh, concept in terms of changing of direction. But we're going to talk a little bit more today about this concept of how businesses and leaders can effectively pivot to position themselves for continued future success. And I can't think of a better leader to have joining us to talk about this than Lisa Jasper. Lisa is the co-founder and CEO of Thought Ensemble. Thought Ensemble is a management consulting firm that really specializes in business transformation. So they bring rich expertise, proven experience in helping their clients not just strategically plan and manage that transformation, but also how do they optimize the execution through the transformation. And that covers everything from having a sound business strategy to really getting the organizational operations ready um, to support that transformation. It involves uh, assessing uh, technologies and planning to incorporate those capabilities into that transition. It's all about strategic program management. And then of course, enabling change inside of organizations. And Lisa has a wealth of experience in all of those areas, more than 20 years in the consulting world. She's worked with mid-sized to large-sized companies spanning many industries. She has deep experience across verticals, including insurance, retail, energy, information services. She founded Thought Ensemble way back in 2008. So that's 12 years ago, and she's been the CEO for the past couple of years. Prior to that, she's had a really uh, impressive set of global consulting experience, including household names, Accenture, Boston Consulting Group, you name it. She's also very active on boards. She's on the board of directors for Big Brothers and Big Sisters in Colorado. And she also serves on the CEOs for Women on Boards Committee of the Women's Leadership Foundation. So Lisa knows about transformation, and I can't wait to talk to her more about this concept of pivoting. Lisa, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So a a great place to start 
Um, in looking at your background, it's really interesting. You ended up earning a computer science degree, but you also then pursued an MBA. And the consistent theme in your career has been this consulting-centric focus. And I'm curious, what motivated you to go the consulting route? And can you talk a little bit about what you see as some of the benefits in a consulting path versus maybe a more traditional, functional, corporate type of path? Sure, absolutely. So in terms of what motivated me, honestly, my career hasn't been as planned as my resume might suggest. Um, but I picked a, I picked computer science as a major because I just loved problem solving and I loved the classwork related to that. And then I discovered consulting through an internship at a big four. And consulting just seemed like a great place to start. I really wasn't sure how long I'd be a consultant. And it wasn't until I was a senior manager, like years into my consulting career, that I really realized I was meant to be doing what I was doing. I was loving what I was doing, growing the company I was with at the time. And I also loved the IT strategy consulting work I was doing with my clients, which I had moved into from more of a software development focus in the first few years of my career. And this, by the way, was in the late 90s and early 2000s when technology was fueling a ton of change. And I was helping companies figure out how to evolve their IT organizations. And it was interesting because I'd been fascinated with psychology since I was a kid. And my interest in organizing people goes way back to when I was three years old and I loved organizing my Fisher Price people. Uh, but that was the moment in my career when it really all came together with this intersection of technology and organizations. And I realized this was what I wanted to do uh, for my career. And soon after that, I went back to get my MBA. That was a bit more intentional. I knew I wanted to go deeper into strategy consulting. And I, I guess the rest is history in terms of my career. And then for the the benefits, I mean, it's hard for me to really know the comparison to um, what I joke is a real job, which I've never held, but I really love working with a variety of clients while also working on making our company the best it can be and creating great opportunities for our people. And I love the constant learning and growing involved with doing that. And I just, I feel really lucky because we get to work with very smart leaders who know their businesses and companies really well but we're able to bring in different perspectives and ideas from other companies and industries. And when you can bring people together like that and really collaborate, it's just pretty magical how you can solve problems and, and generate ideas. And I find that really fun, really fulfilling. Um, I just, I love it when we can ask the right question or share an experience that helps a business leader or a leadership team see a blind spot or come up with a great idea. And I, I also love it when we can help them make things happen and, and get the results they want. Yeah, it was interesting, you know, in thinking back to the late 90s, early 2000s, you're right, that was a period of such acceleration in terms of change and new technologies. I was working in the wireless industry at that time, so uh, definitely felt it myself. And uh, But what a time to really start it's and fun. where the help was needed. Yeah, I, I feel very lucky that I happened into a computer science major and was in the career I was in at that time. It was, it was really, it was really fun. Yeah, yeah. And as I mentioned in doing the introduction, you've worked in some really large consulting firms earlier in your career. And then you, you went out, you co-founded your own successful consulting practice. 
-hmm. And you've been helping a wide range of these companies navigate through business transformation. And I'm curious, the whole entrepreneurial aspect of this, of founding your own company, is that something you were thinking about for a long time? And then what have you found to be the most amazing part of that experience of founding your own company? And then are, have there been some unexpected hurdles along the way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I definitely stumbled into entrepreneurship and frankly, owning my own business wasn't something I always wanted to do. I think I figured that out right before it, it happened. But I did discover early in my career when I left a big four and went to a very small consulting firm as the 10th employee that I loved being a part of a smaller company where I could make a bigger difference. I was still relatively junior at that time. And I got thrown into so many projects and um, just thrown in the deep end. I got to take on a lot. I got more visibility. And I also got a chance to help grow that company. And I just, I loved it. I, I loved it. That's when I really came to to love my, my job, my career. And so fast forward to 2008, I had been helping grow another consulting firm that I joined on to start out of grad school. And I was really just personally going in a different direction with the type of work I wanted to sell and lead and deliver. So I chose to leave and take some time and figure out what was next. And really not at all thinking that I would be starting my own company just later that year. But for me, a longtime friend and colleague called, and it was soon after I left, and he suggested we do it. Let's start a consulting firm. And I knew in that moment it was the right thing. We shared a passion for the way we wanted to work, as well as the type of consulting we wanted to do. And and that's really how I found myself starting and owning my own business. And you asked what's what's amazing and, and what some of the challenges or hurdles have been um, I think in terms of what's amazing, it's that there's a lot of freedom to solve your own problems and go after new opportunities. And if, you know, there's a persistent problem, thing, something going on within our company, I really just have to look in the mirror. That's heavy, right? Because <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I feel the responsibility of it, but it, it's also really empowering. And I generally love that. And in terms of like unexpected hurdles along the way, I think what comes to mind that probably shouldn't have been unexpected, but I guess it did kind of take me by surprise is that, you know, we've had this company long enough now that the world around us has changed and the way we support our clients has changed. And with that, we've just learned more about what works and what we want to do. And, and our leadership team has had different passions and opinions on how to go after the opportunities and it was really important a few years ago, we were almost a decade into our existence to really clarify that, to clarify our purpose and vision and focus in on what matters because there is a, you know, this huge opportunity out there, but you got to pick what you're, you're going to go after. And, you know, when you get really clear and you make tough choices, it doesn't necessarily fit what everyone wants, but it was really important for us. It was really key for us in fueling the growth we've had over the last few years and specifically, I believe it's been a lot easier for us to attract the really high caliber talent we've been able to attract since we've done that. Yeah. And looking at the timeline, Lisa, how interesting founding the practice back in 2008, of course, that right on the brink of what was a major financial mm -hmm. upheaval, right? Financial mm -hmm. crisis downturn, and then living through what we have even this year. So 
certainly through it all, I mean, you've had this unique experience, I guess, to be a part of major uh, disruption, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of the marketplace and yet continue to be successful in, in terms of uh, working with the companies that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, really jumped out to me, I've, I've been looking at, at some of your thought leadership and, and you had written recently on uh, the importance of continually assessing an organization's corporate purpose and that it's very critical, even if the environment around you is in this rapidly changing dynamic you know, situation, having clarity um, around that corporate purpose is paramount. Can you talk a little bit more about that and, and what has it meant as a leader as, as, as really the, the driving force behind Thought Ensemble to have this notion of a purpose? Yes. So, you, you know, Dan, I love this topic. Um, I believe people want to be part of something bigger when they go to work every day. And we are all expecting way more from companies than just making money for shareholders. And I was very happy last year when the business roundtable signed the new statement of corporate purpose that put on paper that commitment from leading CEOs that they and their companies are standing behind stakeholder capitalism versus this shareholder focus we've had for the last few decades. And of course, that didn't happen all at once last year. That's been a movement for years, and hopefully it will continue to be. But back to corporate purpose, purpose is really core to defining who you are as a business and how you're going to make a difference in the world. And it's really critical to clarify it so people know whether they want to join on with you and your cause as a company. And it was always important, but in 2020, people are really getting in touch with what matters to them. And for me personally, I felt inspired to dig even deeper into Thought Ensemble's purpose as we navigate the health crisis and BLM and social injustice and just everything that's going on. And I could go on and on about it, but in short, our company was founded on a belief that bringing diverse perspectives together is how to best solve problems and generate great ideas. And in 2020, we've had a lot of conversations and we're doing a lot of work related to DEI within our company. And through that, we've realized we have some things really going for us in that it's it's really in our DNA, but we've also got some real opportunities. And we've had this amazing external facilitator, Dr. Nika White, who has led our company through some conversations and she's helping us with a DEI assessment and strategy. And through those conversations and that work, I've been really inspired, all of us have been, to be more intentional about inclusion and belonging. And even me personally, like I'm, I'm, people are surprised by this, but pretty introverted. And sometimes, you know, the inclusiveness and, you know, pulling people in doesn't come as naturally to me until I know people better. So like working on that with new people is really important. But I think as a company, we've got some work to do on that too. And The thing is, if we have these diverse perspectives and people truly feel like they can bring their authentic selves to the conversation, it's really, really powerful. So we added that very intentionally into our purpose. It it now gets to the heart of that and how it helps us solve problems and generate ideas. And I'm just, I'm really excited about it. I, I just believe it's not just about doing the right thing. It's also the strategic thing to do to be the best we can be as a company. 
And our purpose now goes even a step beyond that to clarify how we want to be an inspiration to every organization we touch on how to do that better, how to solve problems better through bringing diverse perspectives and having people feel the inclusion and belonging and bring their authentic selves. Yeah, that's incredible, Lisa, because it it seems like over the past couple of months, there is this rush of uh, all all sorts of companies that wanted to make a public statement, right? And mm-hmm. and and yet, in looking at a lot of that activity, a lot of it becomes almost noise, as if uh, it's a check the box. Hey, we've got to show the optics that you know that we're present and we're not we're not uh, oblivious, you know, to the, to the realities of these social issues. But what you're talking about is meaningful commitment inside mm-hmm. of your organization to measurable action and. That's that's where you're, we're talking about substance, mm-hmm. you know, over over just the optics of uh, saying, "Hey, yeah, we're going to use the right words and say the right thing." Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and so I, I'd like to shift a little bit to just your perspective as a CEO, as a senior leader, and look at 2020. Really, uh, truly unprecedented in our generation, I think, in terms of just everything that's kind of converged to create a lot of uncertainty. Um, very, very turbulent. And I'm curious, kind of going through what what our society and, and the business world has gone through in 2020, how have you grown as a CEO? What would have been some of the personal challenges? But then also, I guess, um, through that, what do you see as maybe kind of long-term uh, development for you, right? And, and maybe a positive outcome, you know, as you think about leadership in the future? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've grown a lot. Um, I think the timing for me was really fortuitous as a leader. I, as you mentioned, stepped in as CEO just a couple of years ago, and I was just really getting comfortable and enjoying my role when the pandemic happened. And also, I had gone through a leadership assessment, the LVI, the Leadership Versatility Index. It's kind of a 360 And the feedback had been gathered just prior to the pandemic. And I got the results in April, you know, as we were in the thick of things. And the development areas that came up through that were exactly what I needed to be to navigate our company through this. And well, I mean, just to give an example, our team loved that I was inclusive, but they also wanted me to be a little more vocal about my opinion on things. And we were needing to, you know, move really quickly and and make quick decisions. and, And I needed to be that way. Um, So it it gave me permission, I guess, that feedback gave me permission and confidence to step into my role when we needed it most. And so uh, there's a lot more to that, but I've I've grown a ton as a leader, hopefully for the better. I know I will never be the same and um, I'm probably just a lot more comfortable stepping stepping up as a leader and I'm definitely more resilient to curveballs. I think every time we go through hard times, it's more resilient, right? Um. And in terms of what's been challenging, I mean, there's challenges from a business perspective and personal. I I mean, from a business perspective, it was just like weighing these new dimensions of decision-making. I mean, I had experience losing clients and trying to sell in a recession. We started this company in 2008. Like that that part of it was like, okay, I know what we need to do here. Um, We're going to shift, you know, the the way we talk about what we do and, and how we go to market. Um, but these health dimensions uh, of the decision making, I mean, as one big example, were so new. And, and I mean, all kinds of health, not just protecting people from the pandemic, but thinking about people's mental health and thinking about how to support people with 
the various challenges they had at home. And I will say all of that was very challenging, but we were very fortunate that we were aligned in principle with every single one of our clients that made things a lot easier to navigate from a business perspective. And then personally, as we were going through all this in the spring, I was trying to help my two boys, six and eight years old, navigate school. And, you know, for a couple of months, we didn't have any childcare. And um, I was in that situation, like so many people and my husband and I both had tons going on at work. And I just felt like I wasn't being who I needed to be as a CEO or mom. And then there's that guilt, but you add to that, you know, the guilt of, you know, feeling like, gosh, we had it better than so many people out there. We're fortunate that we can work from home and we do have a job and we have resources to make it work, but it was still really hard. I had to ask for a lot of help from my colleagues um, in a way that I haven't before because I've always been able to work a lot of hours and, you know, that was, I had to get creative, right? And I had to let some things go. So that's kind of my story. Um, I'm not sure if I totally answered the question, but um, that's, that's really what, what it's been, what's been going on for me as a leader the last six months or so. Yeah. It's interesting, uh, Lisa, you were sharing your own uh, challenges of trying to figure it out in terms of balancing your work responsibilities with taking care of and supporting your kids and the, and the new paradigm around education. And I'm sure uh, not just for you, but also for your employees, there's almost, I I think there's a new normal in terms of how organizations are going to need to be more flexible in supporting their employees, right? I'm sure that that's come into play too. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a constant conversation and you know, we're small enough. We can all talk with each other about what's going on. But I think for us, the, the real key is about just communicating what's going on, what you need and I mean, we've all got to figure out creative ways to get the job done, but um, some of us were getting really creative about what hours we were doing it in and and how we were doing it. And, uh, you know, just got to keep talking about it and, and working to support each other. Uh, absolutely. And I think I see a lot of just sharing and community that's happening, you know, parents and, and coworkers, you know, they're sharing, hey, how are you doing this? And maybe there's a good idea. And then so millions and millions and households, you know, trying to figure that out. And Mm -hmm. so at the opening of the podcast, I talked about this concept of pivoting. And in the case of pivoting business strategies, Lisa, what are some of the key enablers that really are going to allow companies to to successfully execute on those pivots? Mm -hmm. Yeah, pivoting. It's funny. I think that's that's the second most popular word in 2020 after unprecedented. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The official buzzword list. Yes. Yeah. We're all getting a crash course on it, I think. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, you would probably expect me to say technology, right? Because this company was founded on leveraging technology as an enabler to, you know, whatever it is you're trying to achieve from a business strategy perspective, whether you're trying to better, connect with your customers or you're trying to optimize processes through automation. Um, And I've been passionate about that for a long time. I think these days though, when I think of enablers, a couple of others really come to mind that have been front and center. One of them is culture. I believe having a strong culture and evolving it to what you need it to be. And I mean, sometimes cultures need to pivot a little bit too, but that, I mean, that's an enabler when you've got a culture that is, um, agile and and strong and all those good things, um, that's going to help whatever it is you're trying to achieve. And then the other one is leadership alignment. You know, having a leadership team that trusts each other to raise issues, to speak up, to 
say when you know, they think people are going in the wrong direction to debate issues and then just being aligned, like working towards the same outcomes, having those strong leadership teams is a huge enabler. So those are a couple of things that, that come to mind for me. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, you mentioned trust across the leadership team and you look at some of the classic uh, team dynamic uh, models and, you know, like Lencioni, five dysfunctions oh, yeah. of the team, right? What's that? That tr- trust is that foundational part, right? Uh-huh. Of uh, achieving kind of a higher level of, of leadership effectiveness. Right. Well, and I mean, I was just listening recently for like the fifth time to <laughs> speaking on five dysfunctions because, I mean, every time I listen to it, I get more out of it. But um, you yeah, have a conflict too. If you have that trust to be able to have that safe conflict that then allows you to get to that alignment, to hold each other accountable. I mean, when you see teams that operate that way, I, I'm inspired by, you know, many of our clients who are great at that. And, um, and I think we, we are doing great at that too, but it's so powerful when you have that leadership team that's, that's functioning really well. That's right. And, you know, earlier you mentioned the importance of authenticity you know, mm-hmm. being an authentic organization in your messaging mm-hmm. to the market. But I, I truly believe that for uh, an organization to be authentic externally, it all starts internally. And so the leadership team needs to have the right level of, it's not just trust, but I think having that vulnerability to be able to share openly and, and be authentic with each other too, internally, that then supports that external. Right. Well, and if you can't, you know, raise your hand when you've got a problem or, you know, you're, you're stuck on something because um, you're worried about people judging you or the repercussions. Think about how much that sets a company back, not to have the team working on it together and just have one person trying to hide what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Lisa, I know you did a nice job pivoting on that question and not talking a lot about technology, but I'm not going to let you off the hook. We can um, talk about technology. Yeah, yeah. So what about rapidly evolving technologies? Now, in your book, Reboot, uh, that you wrote several years ago, you talked about how critical having a more proactive technology strategy really is. So how will this rapid technology evolution that we know we're living in today, there is these rapidly evolving technologies, how is that going to help? or hinder companies from maintaining the right flexibility to achieve that evolving purpose, right? That redefined purpose that they yeah. have. Yeah. Well, I, I think these days it's, it's, it's gotta be totally integrated and I, I mean, keep in mind, Reboot was written a decade ago. So I would mean, take ourselves back to when we started the company and then wrote the book. I mean, Reboot was written in two, 2010, I guess, published in 2011. And we were still making a case that technology was strategic for every business and industry. And that was a little bit provocative at the time for many industries who just thought, you know, IT is a commodity. And our case was really, it, it is strategic. You've got to look at it strategically. And as you look at it, you need to look at it holistically. You need to think about how the technology needs to shift with your organization, with your delivery methods. And I mean, I think the provocative part of it, everybody's on the digital bandwagon. I think everybody's realizing how uh, important technology is. So we don't have to debate that as much anymore, but really looking at things holistically. I mean, 
it's often not a separate strategy anymore. I mean, there's things you need to be doing to be evolving, you know, your technology stack, all of your, your technology that's supporting the, the company. But really, it's how does this enable our purpose? How does this enable our strategic objectives? And how do we need to evolve the rest of the organization to support that? Our culture may need to change a little bit. Our, our people's skills that they're bringing to the table, you know, how our processes are going to work, how our organization is structured. So I, I think, you know, technology is really key. It's just so integrated into the overall strategic planning these days that, um, and, and many businesses are realizing that. So did I answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about integration into the, the strategic planning business strategy, but I've also talked to a lot of leaders that say that you, you've got to incorporate that into your human resources strategy too, because there's a whole new set of skills and capabilities that you need to have through your people resources too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that spans from, you know, your technology focused resources who need new capabilities that are not just technical capabilities. I mean, they need to understand design thinking and um, how to really get to know that if you're building technology now for an end customer versus an internal user, which is one of the big shifts that, that many companies are going through, right? Like the, the IT group that used to build software, implement software for just the company, and then the company would support the, the external customers. And technology is the way that many companies are interacting with their customers or other external stakeholders today. So the way that you build it, the way you think about it, the way you roll it out is very different. And um, your technology group has to really shift their skill sets and their ways of working to support that. But then the whole company it has to get a lot more comfortable with, with technology and I mean, the expectations of consumers for everything being integrated for them, you know, if they're on a banking app to pull something up and, um, and you know, it's not working for them. So they call into the call center. They want that person to get exactly what they're dealing with. And it needs to be very seamless and the expectations are really high. And so that requires different skill sets with all of your people who are um, supporting customers or really doing anything across the company. And it seems like, especially now, where we have so many remote and virtual working teams globally, that communication and collaboration technology seem to be in a whole area that companies are probably rapidly accelerating, right, to get to a level of excellence. Mm -hmm. Because maybe because if you look at the future to say, you know what, we're probably not going to go back, even when we're through the worst Right. Of a current crisis, but there's probably a whole new paradigm about how physically work teams are going to be situated. And I think it's going to be more of a remote. I think it's going to be more of a standard that, that companies continue to operate, you know, in, in this way. Well, I totally agree. And, and hot sports opinion for me is like, I actually think it's easier to be a hundred percent remote, which many companies still are then it is going to be to be hybrid. I mean, when companies start bringing back part of their people and they're trying to integrate remote workers into collaboration, conversation, into meetings, uh, it's going to get even more challenging. But there will be um, some really 
new cool ways of working that we discover through all of this on how to make that more seamless. Absolutely. So as we start winding things down, Lisa, I'd like you to put your client-focused hat on. And when you look to the future, what gets you the most excited? Well, this, uh, this response will come from my conversations with many of my clients. Uh, you know, everybody's just expanding their beliefs and getting new ideas about how to work together better. And these challenges have opened up our minds to what's possible. And people have seen how fast they can pivot to new ways of working. And people have seen how effectively they can collaborate even remotely to solve problems. And of course, it isn't perfect. There's a lot of frustration too. But I just think people are going to get a lot more creative in how they work together going forward. And I've long believed that there's a ton of opportunity in that. And I'm, I'm just excited to see companies embrace that. And, and what we can do together as we continue to evolve and learn. Yeah, you used a term that we hear a lot of these days, and it was resiliency. And what I see is just this renewed sense, as tough as it has been at times, and as much change as um, teams and organizations have had to face, they've come through and we're seeing amazing results, amazing creative solutions. When people come together or faced with the challenge, backs to the wall, isn't it interesting to see then the, the innovation that, that, that comes from that? And we know that historically, right, some of the greatest innovations in the history of the world have come during some of the biggest crises, you know, in the world. But it, it feels like that breeds uh, really, really outstanding creative solutions. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for sharing your experiences, uh, your optimism and your passion uh, for all the clients that you serve and, and, and really your excitement for the future. Thanks for coming on to Market Impact Insights and uh, lending us your expertise. Well, thanks for having me. You know, I love all these topics and it's been a pleasure. And a reminder that if you like this podcast, please go out and take a few minutes and rate and review. You can go out to Apple Podcasts. It's really easy to do. Your feedback is a very welcomed, uh, very valuable for us. So thanks for doing that. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.